Hey friends, I'm Megan Meredith. I've been on an interesting journey the past 10 years. It's been full of plot twists, as I'm sure your own journey has been. One thing I've learned is that people are fascinating and full of stories. We all come from diverse backgrounds and have complicated backstories. We experience the world completely differently and we don't always agree. And that's okay because there is always something we can talk about. Hey friends, welcome. Today it's just me. The last two episodes we've talked about what I'm referring to as body talk. We've covered things like weight, body image, shame, and lies that our culture or communities have fed us that we've believed to kind of put on ourselves. And truth be told, I didn't intend for this to become a three-part series, but I'm really glad that it did. I've had some amazing feedback about each episode from you guys. And I reluctantly decided that it needed one more episode, at least for now. Let me just start by saying that as I put my faith back together in a less fundamental way, I tend to not blame everything on the devil anymore or say that God called me to do such and such or that or that he spoke to me or that he laid something on my heart. Not that those things are bad, but I'm learning to trust my own intuition for the first time in my life. And I'm even kind of hypothesizing that God designed me, my DNA, and this thing called my discernment and my intuition and he he intended for me to trust that and I wasn't going to talk about this and I don't want to talk about this but I have had this thing in my gut in my shoulder blades <laughs> in my mind since that first episode with Natasha and I've resisted it obviously and I'm not even really sure how to talk about it but I also know as a writer and from extensive therapy that the hardest story to tell is maybe the most important and the one that someone else needs to hear and I'm not going to divulge my entire story today I have been fairly open about trauma on my social media but it's not quite time to tell that whole story and it may never be I don't know that's the weird thing about social media and podcasting I want to show up authentically and even advocate and educate on certain things while still honoring and protecting my story because not everyone has earned the right to hold space for that story but there's a piece of my story that plays into this larger conversation of being at home in our bodies and reclaiming our bodies and how trauma affects the body so that's something we could talk about. Before we get started into my story specifically, I want to define trauma. Now, I'm not going to obviously talk about the extent of what trauma actually does physiologically in your body because I'm not a doctor, a scientist, a therapist. I'm just sort of a facilitator of this knowledge that I've learned myself. And I love to nerd out about the neurology and the biology and the neural pathways and your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala and all of those things. But we're not going to go into that today. We're just going to lightly kind of skim the surface and then I'm going to tell you my story. And that's really all we can do is learn and be curious and honor our own stories. So 
as we get started, let's define trauma. So most people that talk about trauma that are, um, you know, the really educated people that have letters behind their name will tell you that there's big T trauma and little t trauma. And I'm going to explain those, but I also want you the the disclaimer at the front end of that definition is that we're not really classifying your trauma so that we're not what Brene Brown calls causing comparative suffering. So if you have little t trauma, it doesn't mean that it's actually less in your body. The effect of your trauma is not less or not as valid as someone with big T trauma. It just is a classification of events, really. And we'll get to that. So big T trauma is a reaction to a deeply disturbing, life-threatening event. So war, natural disasters, violence, assault. And little t trauma is emotional abuse or neglect, sudden loss, death, bullying. Again, not less valid, just maybe less life-threatening. So whether it's big T or little t, the thing about trauma is it's all, it's all still trauma. And so we're not necessarily classifying whether your trauma is valid or not. It's just a classification of events because what happens in the nervous system and what the body receives as trauma is trauma to you. What impacts the body as traumatic for one person may not for another. And how you receive that and how you store that in your body and how you respond to it is very individualistic, no matter how your trauma event is classified. So I hope that that's clear. <laughs> the very best book I have read on trauma, and I read it a lot, <laughs> I've revisited it several times, is by Blessel Vanderkolk, and it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And this book was revolutionary for me and very expansive um, of my my knowledge and understanding of what was happening in my own body and my understanding of trauma. So one thing he says in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, is that traumatized people chronically feel unsafe in their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs in attempt to control these processes. They often become experts at ignoring awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from themselves. For the past three years, I have been in trauma therapy working through some major traumas in my life, some of which took place in my adolescence and one that took place recently and took me a year to utter the words to my therapist. When I first found myself in therapy, I didn't have the language or verbiage to even speak about it to her about what had happened to me. One thing that I have learned about therapy is that it gives you a safe space to process things that you weren't allowed to or couldn't, for whatever reason, process in real time. So some of us were taught to suppress our emotions, to push them down, to not feel them, or sometimes in a severe crisis, there isn't time. There isn't time to process that. And so you end up kind of processing that in a delay. You end up processing emotions that may be 20 to 30 years old, which feels weird. And it can feel like quite a delay. And sometimes there's even shame from that. Like, why am I feeling this stuff 20 to 30 years later? That seems dumb. Like, I should have processed this. I wish that I'd been capable of processing that. Or why couldn't I handle this? There's there's some other things attached to that to that delay, and that can even hinder you processing 
even with a delay, because that comes with a sense of shame, or at least it did to me. (laughs) So sometimes you can have a physical manifestation of even that event or that feeling with that same delay, 20 to 30 years old, a year old, five years old, whatever it is, you're having physical manifestations of old emotions. And that feels weird too, because you cognitively know that it's not still happening, but you're still processing and having those manifestations when, when that event is no longer happening. But the thing about trauma is that the brain, the body does not have the ability to differentiate between I'm triggered and the actual event that was traumatic. So to the body and the brain, it feels to the body, especially it feels like that thing is still happening. When you're triggered, if you're having a flashback, whatever it is, the body can't tell the difference between this is happening now or it happened then. And so you can be experiencing all of that same visceral manifestation of that emotion, that event in real time, even though that thing is obviously not currently happening to you, which feels confusing. (laughs) So here's where this comes into this larger conversation. And we're going to talk about traumatic weight gain or traumatic weight fluctuation. So some of us have spent years feeling unsafe in our bodies and some of us didn't even know it. We don't know it, especially if trauma occurred early in our life and our adolescence. We've been conditioned to be mistreated or trauma feels normal or even just that dysregulated nervous system all feels normal. It's comfortable even. So for me, a major trauma was inflicted on me several years ago that caused a significant breakdown. And I've been really open about that on my social media. This was not just an emotional breakdown. This was across all the systems of my life. Because that's what trauma does. It affects the entire person. It's not just that it affects the physical or it It's not just that it affects the emotional. You can't segment your life, right? It affects the entire person, whether you're participating wholly or not. It does affect the whole person. So that breakdown got me into therapy. And therapy helped me see that there was actually a vault of trauma that I hadn't faced. And for lack of a better metaphor, let's just pretend that we banished it to the basement. I just locked it all up down in the basement. It doesn't make it untrue. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just got suppressed and pushed down and ignored. So the thing about trauma is that it can almost feel like a car crash that you don't feel the full effect from until the adrenaline dump is over and you have sort of this delay of pain. You don't think that you're hurt. You don't think that you've injured your body in that crash until that adrenaline dump is over. And then all of a sudden you can feel the full force of of whatever's injured. So there can be a delay from trauma until that adrenaline dump is over, until you're ready to face it. So when you have finally a safe place to face trauma or emotions or a dysregulated nervous system, whatever it is, when you have a a safe place like therapy, you can experience the full force of something kind of hitting your body when there is that delay. So I experienced this over the last three years, and I will 
say that there's a little bit of a caveat here that there are some endocrine things happening and a hysterectomy. There was a pandemic. And so my over the past three years, I have witnessed my body sort of revolt and my weight ballooned. And obviously during the pandemic, I think we can all identify with some stress eating and some anxiety and stress that isn't normally there, right? But I will tell you that just like we talked about on Carrie's episode, that I I can participate in diet culture like a boss, right? I have been conditioned to know how to put myself on a diet, how to be a good little restrictive girl, and how to exercise the hell out of my body and feel like I need to punish my body for whatever stress eating I was doing. But I will tell you over the past three years, I've watched something else happen to my body. None of the restriction was working. None of the exercise was working. None of the things that I knew how to do were working. And I could tell deep inside myself, I knew that something was wrong because none of my efforts produced any change, right? After my hysterectomy, long after the, that six weeks of healing, is done, I was certain that my body was going into menopause because I, over this past, this past year, um, as, as well as seeing this happen over the last three years, specifically this year, especially after my hysterectomy, I just felt like my body freaked out, right? And I was certain I was going through menopause because that is something that can happen after you have a hysterectomy, your body just kind of goes into menopause. Now, I do still have my ovaries and that's TMI, but I'm going to say that anyway, because some of you will ask me that. Some of you will will wonder. So I do still have my ovaries. And so I wasn't thinking that that would happen, but it is possible, you know. And so I went to the doctor and we ran tests and I'm a long way off from menopause. <laughs> I'm happy to say, but I, I talked to my endocrinologist who I've been working with for a long time. And I talked to my gynecologist and, and they were both kind of at a loss. Like we don't, we don't understand. There's not like a reason for this. All of your blood work is coming back normal. Everything is fine. You're doing all of the things that we would prescribe for you to do in order to maintain a place that your body is comfortable. And again, no one was suggesting that I lose massive amounts of weight. This was simply coming from me. This was me not feeling comfortable in my skin, me not being happy with what was happening to the outside of my body as well as the inside of my body. And so I just decided to bring it up in therapy because I was kind of, I reached a point this year that I was at my wit's end. And my therapist, since we've been working together for the past three years, my therapist normalized this for me that oftentimes trauma victims will experience what I'm going to call insulating. I don't know that that's an actual term, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that, that your body will quite literally instinctively respond to what feels like danger by insulating itself. Let me say it this way. Like, Thicker equals safer. Like I literally needed an extra layer around me to keep me safe. And that's the thing about trauma is, like I said, the body can't tell the difference between this is happening now and this happened in the past. And so as I'm dealing in therapy with things that happened in the past, I'm experiencing that visceral sensation of danger in the present. And so my body actually started participating in the trauma responses in current time because it hadn't felt safe to do that in the past. 
Now, I'm in no way, please hear this, I'm in no way saying that if your body holds a thicker shape, that this automatically means that you have PTSD or that you've been a victim of some variation of trauma. I am not saying that. I am saying that this is what I have experienced. And because I was already participating in the emotional side of my therapy and working through all of my trauma, I began to understand that those two things were literally connected for me. Because I was participating in also my endocrinologist and my gynecologist and all of these things. And so we were working together across the board to sort of figure out what my body needed. But this was the piece of the puzzle that I wasn't participating in. I wasn't noticing what was happening to my body in a physiological sense in relation to what was happening emotionally and mentally. So while I was currently safe, I was processing some really hard and heavy stuff for the very first time. And my body couldn't tell the difference. And so it felt the need to insulate. And you know what? I can't, I can't blame her for that. As well as the hormonal, endocrine, and bad coping skills, maybe during pandemic, I would say that each time I have been at my quote-unquote heaviest, I could correlate perceived or real danger in my life. There's also an interesting piece to this that ties back to modesty and purity culture. We talked about that a little bit in each episode, and we were taught, I was taught inside the culture that I grew up in, and I think across the board in fundamentalist spaces and especially evangelical Southern spaces, that the female body was unsafe. And what I mean by that is that it would cause men and boys to lust just by existing. Whatever shape it existed in, it could cause a man to do the wrong thing. So essentially the message is that our bodies are dangerous. I experienced a lot of hiding and a lot of shame and a lot of feeling unsafe for the mere fact that I exist. So let me ask you something. From that paradigm, how does one ever feel safe in their own body? They don't. We don't. I didn't. We were designed, women especially got this message, I feel like. We were designed to be attractive and yet our attractiveness was dangerous and potentially the cause of us, quote unquote, asking for it. So like we talked about in Carrie's episode, we receive that messaging that we exist to be approved of and chosen by a man, and yet our bodies are dangerous and can potentially be the source of blame for anything that might happen to us. And Let's be clear, that messaging that we received by quote-unquote asking for it is rape. Let's just call it what it is. We were presented with messaging that at the time I didn't question that simply by existing in a curved female form, I was asking to be raped or, or some variation of that, right? Because men could not be held accountable or responsible for their actions, their thoughts, their intentions, because we were the problem and we needed to hide ourselves because men are very visual and then and then they couldn't they couldn't be helped. And that that was the messaging that I received for sure. And most women 
in my generation also received. So fast forward, my body has never been safe. I've never felt safe. I've never had good boundaries because that wasn't taught. For most of my life, my body was my enemy. And that started young. And then as I grew up and then as I had an emergency C-section and a child with a birth defect and then everything that happened following, I have gained a bad skill of blaming her. I blamed my body for everything because it was blamed for me when I was young. And so then I adopted that and I took that on and I started to blame her. And I felt that she was against me. But it was in my therapist's office that I finally saw her. And I'm talking about her like she's in the third person, like she's separate from me because she literally felt separate from me. My body felt separate from me. Like I had this identity, I had a personality, and then I also had this body. And she didn't really cooperate. And she was to blame for everything. And I got the wrong one. But I saw her in my therapist's office. I finally saw her for the fierce protector that she is. And she has been doing her damned finest to keep me alive. And she's been waiting for me to catch up and finally face my trauma and undo some of those messages that I received. And so here, approaching 40, I am trying to finally integrate with my physical body. I mean, how, how silly does that sound that I'm just now coming to grips with that? I'm just now trying to cooperate in the second half of my life with this body that I've had the entire time. So I wrote a meditation. This is how I kind of started to work my way out of this insulation is that I wrote a meditation. And it's very specific to my trauma. So today I'm going to share part of that meditation. I'm not going to share the whole thing. But I began sitting with myself daily. And I know that that, I mean, some of you will be like, that's weird. But I began just sitting, like getting myself still, feeling my, my body in time and space. And I just began repeating this meditation to myself. And at first I didn't believe it. I didn't like it. It was like, this is not going to do anything. But I just began to do it every day or I began to do it when I'd be triggered or I began to do it when I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. And I've been doing this for months now. And I've, I've gone down several gene sizes and gene sizes don't matter. Please, please don't hear that from me and please don't adopt that as a goal. I, I literally could give a rat's ass about what what I weigh and what size my jeans are. Because at each point, I would buy one pair of jeans that fit so that I felt good about pants that I could get on and that were flattering, even though they were a size I didn't appreciate. And let's be honest, jeans are a weird thing. And from brand to brand, you could wear four different sizes. And I think that's a whole, you know, conspiracy theory. We could talk about that another day. So don't get caught up on the size of your pants or the number on the scale. Because the beautiful thing about beginning to integrate and love your body is that you start to not care about the standards anymore. We talked about that in Carrie's episode and in Natasha's 
episode is that you start to come home to yourself and it doesn't matter what's happening outside of that home. It doesn't matter what messages you're receiving outside of that home because you're at home with yourself and that's your safe place and that matters the most. But I have started to de-insulate. I have watched my body let go of it and it's been a rather remarkable thing. A bit of reclaiming has started to happen. A bit of integrating, especially undoing those harmful modesty and purity culture messaging. You may have heard it in that episode with Carrie, but I'm pretty passionate about how our bodies don't exist to be looked at or objectified. The female form is not dangerous. Predators are actually who is dangerous. My body's not dangerous. My body in a female form does not exist to be objectified and it's not dangerous to anyone. My sexuality does not belong to anyone else and neither does yours. So let me say, just like the other two episodes, that balance, intuition, health practitioners are all important parts of this process. I, I believe in kind of holistic things, like looking at your body, looking at your experience, looking at your situation from a whole perspective. You literally can't expect that you could adopt this meditation if this is resonating with you and you have trauma and you've experienced the insulating. You can't expect to sit and eat Twinkies while you're meditating on this and diet soda and work on your body trauma and you're going to magically lose 30 pounds. I really don't think that that would ever happen. But the thing is, I'm not actually promising that your shape will change at all because that is the thing. Weight loss was not my goal. I didn't set out to lose weight and I'm still not. This is not the goal for me anymore. I'm starting to approach my body differently and I'm starting to appreciate my body differently and I'm starting to talk about her differently and think about her differently and participate with her differently. My goal was safety. In Natasha's words, to come home. I started listening to my body because throughout these past three years, I've had a lot of triggers. I've had a lot of flashbacks. I've had a lot of hard work happening. I've been actively working through a lifetime of traumas and I'm not always great at it. I still cope badly some days and I, I would love to even put quotes around badly because even then, I try not to shame her. I try not to condemn her and sabotage her the next day for something that I quote unquote did badly the day before because there's just a lot of grace for healing. And there's a lot of space to work out your own healing. There's a gentleness and a softness toward my own body and let way less judgment than I've ever had before because I didn't know that she already knew how to keep me safe. I mean, that's the brilliant part about our bodies is that she was doing what she knew to do. Because some of my deepest traumas occurred when I was my thinnest. And so her solution to that, to that trigger, to that dealing with trauma was to go the opposite way. Thicker equals safer. So here's the thing, friends. One of the things I'm learning about trauma is that we've all endured some 
variation and level of trauma along the spectrum of trauma, big T or little t. I'm not going to classify your trauma. You shouldn't either. It's all valid and it's all trauma. And I guarantee that on some level, your body has absorbed it. And if you were conditioned for trauma and dysregulation and chaos and stress and neglect and abuse to feel normal, then you likely didn't notice your body absorbing it. And it sort of stored itself in the body. Like we said, it got banished to the basement. And your body's waiting, trying its hardest not to manifest it. But it can only stay locked in the basement for so long. Or maybe you find yourself like me and it's already manifesting itself and you can't explain what's happening. But your body's trying to shout at you over the busyness of life or your inability to sit still or your inability to be alone with your own feelings, your unwillingness to ever think your own thoughts for fear of what might come up. Maybe it's already shouting at you. Just like Blessel says, we become experts at hiding from ourselves. We kind of learn to bifurcate ourselves and banish parts of ourselves to the basements of our hearts and our minds. We kind of fraction off ourselves and choose not to participate in something, choose to ignore something or kind of, you know, bootstrap up a little bit or even just kind of, you know, shrug it off as if it doesn't matter, even though it does. Some of you, your body has been trying to tell you something. Maybe it's time to listen. Maybe you've experienced insulating. Or maybe it's the opposite of that. Or maybe there's something else going on with you that I didn't touch on because I haven't experienced that. I can only share with you what I've experienced. But maybe you know exactly what Natasha talks about and other people talk about coming home to yourself because you don't know how that feels, because you've blamed your body your entire life, because your body has always felt dangerous or apart, like you existed and the truest form of yourself existed, and then you had this body and you felt like you got issued the wrong one. You know, growing up in that fundamental space, everyone sort of longed for heaven and believed that in heaven you've got a new body. And that only furthered that idea that I can actually be at war with this one because it's broken and it doesn't work right. And I got issued the wrong one and she doesn't cooperate. And it made it easy to bifurcate my body from myself, from my soul, and banish her to the basement. Well, you don't work right. So you can just, I'm just going to ignore you and I'm going to fight you tooth and nail until I can make you submit to me and do what I want and participate in these standards of weight and body image because I'm in charge and you need to be whipped into submission. And there are Bible verses that people love to hang their hat on that only perpetrate those ideas. But I'm no longer willing to think of my body in those terms. It's time to open the door to the basement. I guess we're sticking with this metaphor. It's time to let all those things that we've banished to the basement to come upstairs. It's time to allow your body to be the home where you feel comfortable and safe. It's time to participate in what's happening in your body. Now, I'm also not saying that once you feel this way about your body, that nothing will ever be wrong with your body. 
I'm not selling that either. I'm not even selling like a 12-month program, and I'm not promising anything. I just want to tell you this story because I know I'm not alone. A lot of us got these messages. And a lot of us have banished things to the basement. And a lot of us have been blaming our bodies for things that are actually pretty badass. If you think about it, our bodies have been doing their damn finest to keep us alive. They've been being patient with us to catch up to actually what's happening. And the things that our bodies are capable of are really extraordinary. So that's all I'm going to share for today. Because that was a lot. (laughs) But I want to leave you with part of the meditation that I wrote for myself and then I've added to it, inspired by the other two episodes. And if you're listening to this as you drive, obviously keep your eyes open. But see if you can relax your neck and your back and unclench your waist and just listen. If you're in a place where you can take a break from what you're doing, I invite you to find a comfortable position to sit in, to close your eyes, to observe your body in time and space, to quite literally feel the space that you take up wherever you're sitting. And as if there's a door to your heart space, maybe to the basement, Imagine that you can open it and allow your awareness, your attention to come inside that heart space, to travel back into your body. Imagine yourself coming home after a long time away. maybe lugging with you a lot of baggage. You're tired. You're weary. You've been bombarded out there. You've been told a lot of lies. You've held yourself to unrealistic standards. There's a lot of noise but it's quiet here. You can sink down here. You can relax here. You're safe here. You can come home. Take a few deep breaths. Breathe in through the nose. Open the mouth and sigh it out. It's okay to hear yourself breathe. Now soften your breaths and just breathe in and out through your nose. Let the breath just come and go gently. And begin to repeat after me. I am safe. My body is a safe place. My body knows how to keep me safe. 
I don't have to insulate myself to keep myself safe. I don't have to hide from myself. No one can tell me who to be or how to exist but me. I can trust myself. I can trust God within. My body does not exist to be approved of. My sexuality does not believe. My sexuality does not belong to anyone but me. I can be a safe place for others. But I need to be a safe place for myself first. I am safe. My body is a safe place. I can let go of anything that is not good for me. I can release it and recycle it. Because I do not have to hide anymore. Because I am a safe place. I am at home with myself. Take a breath in and hold it. Release it slowly. Repeat that. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Release it slowly. Open your eyes if they are closed. And feel free to repeat that anytime you need. It's not magic. But it is science, which sometimes feels like magic in our bodies. Maybe this episode was a first draft. Just like writing, it's more like I'm telling myself the story. Or maybe it was just for you. Maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe you've been waiting a long time to hear that. Either way, you are not alone. And neither am I. Because the thing about trauma is that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's more like ripples. Or bookshot. But the beautiful part is that healing doesn't happen in a vacuum either. So I hope you know that you can come home whenever you're ready. That you can face it whether you feel strong enough to or not. And you could heal. And you don't have to do that alone. Well, I did it. We talked about it. <laughs> like I said, I didn't intend for this to become a three-part series. But I'm glad that it did. And I'd love for it to grow. If you have stories to share, or maybe we'll have roundtable discussions someday. I do hope that you'll join the conversation online, or at least with a trusted friend. 
As always, if you like this podcast and you want bonus meditations or other members-only content and swag, you can become a member on my website for just $5 a month. It's literally like buying me a coffee. But it helps me create more podcast episodes just like this. I'm grateful that you listened today. And I'll talk to you next time.